0: Welcome to the Walk in Truth Weekend Program. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and the book Tactics when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part two of his second teaching diving into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about true love.
1: You'll notice that Paul says in verse 1, if I speak with the tongues of angels. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy. Verse 3, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor. Commentators have pointed out that we need to note that Paul is being autobiographical. That is, Paul is applying the arguments to himself. In chapter 11, verse 1, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And it is certainly true that a lot of us have seen bad examples of love in quotes. We've watched people walk out the door. Some of us deal with abandonment issues. Some of us have lived in broken relationships. And now we're trying to understand what love really looks like. And we've heard the world's message. And we've seen it even in the church fail us. What do we do now? Well, Paul says, look, if I, he applies it to himself. And so can I ask you and me to start with us? We can look at everybody else and question their motives. Paul says, if I speak with the gift of tongues, and I mentioned last week that Paul had that gift, as we see in chapter 14, he spoke in tongues more than them all. But Paul says, if it's without love, if it's not compelled by love, it's nothing. Write this down for your notes. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, for Christ's love compels us, controls us, New American Standard Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And He, Jesus, died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. We love because He what? He first loved us. That is our motivation. Our Lord, the one that we claim to follow, First loved us not because we were worthy of his love. He loved us while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God. That's when he loved you. And I took you to a few passages in the gospels last time where Jesus says, if you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Everybody does that. I want you to be different. I want you to win the world by being different. This is a personal love. It's compelled by love. And it is Paul saying, if I did this, if I did that, but didn't have love, I'd be nothing. Notice some of the language in verses 2 and 3. Notice the emphasis on the word all. If I I know all mysteries, the deep things, the Corinthians were in love with this idea of secret knowledge and mysteries. If I had verse 2, all knowledge, if I knew everything, had all the knowledge that there is to know, if I had all faith, if I had such extreme gifts to know all mysteries, all knowledge, all faith, if I had mountain-moving faith but did not have love, I would be what? Paul says I would be bankrupt. I would be nothing. I would have no substance. Imagine for a moment having these gifts so imbued upon you that you knew everything. Every deep spiritual truth. You, you knew all of the stuff that has to do with word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Imagine that you could walk around like Jesus and know people's thoughts and people's motives. You could know what they were doing and why they were doing it. You could look inside their soul. Imagine that kind of ability. Imagine if you had the faith so that you could say in a moment, move mountain, and it obeyed you. Paul says, if you could do that, but you don't have love, you're nothing. Nothing. Some of us are like flabbergasted when we think about what Paul is actually saying. But that's what Paul has done. He's taken it to the most extreme, hyper-spiritual state. Let's say you had these gifts in their fullest abundance, which almost puts you on the level of divinity, but you didn't have love you'd be nothing. One writer says, spiritual gifts minus love equals zero. You're nothing. And that is something that confronts us as we look at this chapter. For Paul, one is something or nothing. Listen, only in relation to God. How one defines their existence when it's all said and done, whether you were something or nothing, has to do with your obedience to God and His Word. Because ultimately, God is going to measure the substance of your life, not by your accomplishments, not by your trophies, not by the praise of men. He's going to measure your life by a different measurement. Everybody getting that? God is going to measure what you did and how you lived by what He told you to do despite the messages that you're hearing from the world. Despite when your buddies say, just throw in the towel. Why do you continue to do this? Why do you continue to do that? Why do you continue to fight? God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have a life that's substantive, a life of honor, a life of love. All substance to life, What brings wholeness is love. David Watson writes, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, your heart, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it carefully around your hobbies, your little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it in a safe, in a casket or a coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can perfectly be safe from all the dangers of love is hell. Close quote. That is a staggering quote. But that's the reality of love. Love is willing to risk Love puts itself out there, but when you're willing to put your heart out there, you risk it being stepped on. And some of you have been stepped on so many times, you've retreated, you've pulled your heart back. You've said, I'm not going there again. And that's understandable. It's very human. But Paul says in verse 3, if I give all my possessions, let's say that I was a very charitable, benevolent person, verse 3, If I gave not some, but what? All my possessions to feed the poor. Uh, One writer says charity is all the rage, but what about loveless charity? What if someone is only interested in giving another some money or food for a photo op or for a tax write-off? What if someone was very benevolent and had a foundation and feeds the poor, but when you really pull the, the... the veil back, they do it to get the photo opportunity or to get the tax write-off. How would you feel if you're on the receiving end of that and you found out that that's why they gave? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says God loves what? A cheerful giver. God wants love to come from the heart, not out of some mechanical duty, but because we love God. Love-desiring humans might say to the pragmatist, who says, well, at least you got the stuff. You know what? Keep it. If you don't love me, I'd rather be starving. I'd rather be homeless. I'd rather be broke. If you don't love me, the transaction means nothing. What about someone who does a radical sacrifice? Like, what if someone, what if the rich young ruler sold everything he had and followed Jesus? See, when Jesus confronts the rich young ruler, he knows what his God is. He doesn't tell every Christian, aren't you glad? Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. All of us are like, that's not sweeping application. Is it, Pastor Michael? No, I don't think so. I think what what the Lord did in the rich young ruler's case is attacked his God. His God was money or mammon. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want me to be your first love, you got to put away the love of money which is the root of all sorts of evil. Not money, but the love of money. Love elevated on the plane of God, equal with God or above God. That's your issue. What if someone did that? What if someone, verse 3, gave their body, surrendered their body to be burned? The ultimate act, especially in the early centuries of the church, of martyrdom. People burned at the stake for their beliefs. Or as we've seen, what if someone in a religion blows themselves up or flies into a building and becomes a martyr for a religious cause. But if they don't have love, if I surrendered my body to the flame, let's say I did it for uh, the Christian religion, but do not have love, I am nothing. It, every sacrifice must be driven by love, not to score points. Clement reports that believers had given themselves over to the capacity As a ransom for others, many in the early church gave themselves over to slavery and used money to provide others with food. Literally, this reads, if I parcel out my property for food to feed the poor, if I give everything, but it's not done for love's sake, I'm nothing. What if I died in the den of lions? What if I was consumed in the fiery furnace if I didn't have love? it would be nothing. Verse three, it says, it profits me nothing. So if you kind of just summarize the verses, you could see I'm just a lot of noise. End of verse two, if I don't have love, I am nothing. End of verse three, if I do these extreme uh, works of benevolence and sacrifice, but do not have love. End of verse three, what's your Bible say? It profits me nothing, 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 nothing. However, if I do it in love, it means everything. Amen? Let's flip it around for a second. If I were to do these things for the cause of love, now let's take the positive. Let's say that I did give something away. Uh, I was the widow who gave everything she had, the two mites, and I did it for the love of God. Well, then Jesus would say she outgave everybody that day at the temple.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Our mission here at Walk in Truth is to equip you with the Word of God and to give you the tools to express your Christian faith. But how do you initiate conversations effortlessly? Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to offer you the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions by Greg Kokel. This is how to navigate a conversation to build a bridge from a conversation to get to spiritual truths and to get to the gospel. We are offering the book Tactics as a thank you when you give a donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com, click the donate button, or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or 844-48-TRUTH. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So, once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222.
0: You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth.
1: If I do these extreme uh, works of benevolence and sacrifice, but do not have love, end of verse three, what your Bible say, it profits me nothing, 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 nothing. However, if I do it in love, it means everything. Amen? Let's flip it around for a second. If I were to do these things for the cause of love, now let's take the positive. Let's say that I did give something away. Uh, I was the widow who gave everything she had, the two mites, and I did it for the love of God. Well, then Jesus would say she outgave everybody that day at the temple. Let's say that I would not recant my faith, and I was. someone said, you need to recant that you believe in Jesus or you die, and let's say that I died, and I did it for the motive of love and honor of my Savior then it's everything. Do you see how heaven measures these things? If my motive was the honor and love of God, it would profit me everything. In fact, Jesus said, I would say, well done, good and faithful servant. I hear what you're saying. Sometimes how I feel. (laughs) A man stopped at a flower shop to order some flowers to be wired to his mother who lived 200 miles away. As he got out of his car, he noticed a young girl sitting on the curb sobbing. He asked her what was wrong and she replied, I wanted to buy a red rose for my mother, but I only have 75 cents and the rose costs $2. The man smiled and said, come on in with me, I'll I'll buy you a rose. He bought the little girl her rose and ordered his own mother's flowers and they were leaving. He offered the little girl a ride home and she said, yes, please. You can take me to my mother. She directed him to a cemetery where she placed the single red rose on a freshly dug grave. The man returned to the flower shop, canceled the wire order, picked up a bouquet, and drove the 200 miles to go tell his mom that he loves her. You see, tongues without love produces nothing. Gifts of prophecy, knowledge, and faith without love means I am nothing. Give everything pay the ultimate sacrifice, it profits me nothing. I gain nothing of value. But if I do these things in love, it means everything. Now, as I have studied the chapter and thought about our movement through it, I've decided that it's worth us slowing down a little bit. So I'm only going to take us to verse 4 because I'm going to show you the two pillars upon which love is built. And let me remind you that love, agape love here is not so much defined as it is described. If you're taking notes, love here is not so much defined as it is described since it is an action. You could even say love here will be personified, described and personified. You could say this is how love acts. Paul does um, not use adjectives to describe love. He uses verbs. In fact, 15 verbs in three verses which means love is dynamic and active. It is not something static. We don't have to guess when love is present. We can see it. Paul is not talking about some inner feeling or emotion. He is talking about love defined by action. This is what love does and what love does not do. Let's start in verse 4. Love is what? It's patient. Love is kind. How many of you have prayed for patience before raise up your hand how many of you have decided you are never going to do that again <laughs> love love is patient now you pray for others pray that the lord will make others patient right i'm not sure if that's a blessing or a penalty but anyway love is patient love puts itself on display what paul chooses to cover is directly connected please hear this to where the corinthians are lacking The proof of love is undeniably in the actions of a person. As Paul celebrates what love does, he is at the same time, ironically, rebuking the Corinthians for what they don't do. Everybody with me? So as we have heard this read at weddings and maybe even at funerals or special occasions, Paul is celebrating a hymn of love, but at the same time he is correcting people who don't love the way that they're supposed to love. And that's why this chapter, maybe you felt a little bit of conviction. Because that's what Paul is doing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's celebrating what love should be. And then he's saying, now look in the mirror and see how you're doing. If you were to put your name here, how would you do? Love is patient. What if I put my name here? Michael is patient. Michael is kind. You could see how this would walk itself out. Love is patient. Let's start there. If if you were to think about the uh, ways that you might look at this, you might say, if you were to describe how somebody loves somebody, you might say, so-and-so so loves so-and-so because... And then you would normally fill in the gap. You won't believe that he buys her flowers every week or he does this or he opens the car door or she does this for him. And you, we usually would tie it to an action. That's why in verse 4 and what follows... We have, this is what love is, and this is what love is not. This is from the book, The Love Dare. Love is built on two pillars that best define what it is. Those pillars are patience and kindness. All other characteristics of love are extensions of these two attributes. Love inspires you to become a patient person. When you choose to be patient, you respond in a positive way to a negative situation. You are slow to anger. You choose to have a long fuse instead of a quick temper. Rather than being restless and demanding, love helps you settle down and begin extending mercy to those around you. No one likes to be around impatient people. Impatience overreacts in angry, foolish, regrettable ways. But the irony of anger toward a wrong is that it spawns new wrongs of its own. Anger almost never makes things better. In fact, it usually generates additional problems. It will trample on long-term relationships while reacting to short-term mishaps. He goes on. Patience stops problems in their tracks. Patience takes a deep, a needed deep breath. Patience is a choice. Remember, it's an expression of love, which is a decision. To control your emotions rather than allowing your emotions to control you. It shows... discretion instead of returning evil for evil patience brings internal calm and to an external storm if you were to take off its mask you'd see that anger is often an emotional reaction flowing out of our ignorance foolishness and selfishness patience however makes us wise it says help me understand instead of how dare you it, does, it doesn't rush, patience doesn't rush to judgment, but puts our feelings on pause so that we can fully listen to what the other person is saying. Proverbs 14, 29 and 30 says, People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. New Living Translation. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like a cancer
0: in the bones. You're listening to True Love 2, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. If you're a monthly partner with Walk in Truth, then we'll be sending you Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, Building a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. And if you've been considering partnering with us, please visit walkintruth.com and click the Donate button. Anyone who gives $20 or more or becomes a monthly partner of $10 or more Will receive the Tactics book as a thank you. Learn more when you click the donate button on walkintruth.com. And thanks for your donation. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a word. Well, as we deal with this subject of spiritual gifts and love, the question
1: may arise in your mind well, is it possible to have these spiritual gifts, these different gifts, and really not have the love of the Spirit? Well, you might be surprised. We've all run into Christians before that want to talk a lot about their spiritual gifts, but you wonder sometimes if their life is really loving. Uh, Sometimes people can come across as proud about their spiritual gifts, but not necessarily loving. So we need to pray that the Lord would fill us with his love. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and love is the ultimate spiritual gift. And so if, if this resonates with you, and maybe you've lost your way a little bit you've been focusing on a spiritual gift or two that you think people should have or practice but but you haven't been so loving along the way maybe you've lost your way a little bit maybe the gong's been resounding a little bit well hey we've all probably been there before and it's just a step back to to get back so that you can reach out to others with the love of Jesus you know they They want to know how much we love before they want to know anything about these spiritual gifts. Well, we are offering Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, for a thank you gift donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Hey, if you've been benefiting from this Bible teaching, you believe in this program, you've been praying for us, how about taking the next step and uh, partnering with us? And when, when you give a $20 donation this month, we'll get you the book, Tactics, by Greg Kokel. This book will help you in your spiritual conversations, using questions tactically to get to spiritual things and in a really non-threatening way. It's really a clever approach and I think it's good and it's biblical. And we would love to get the book into your hands. Visit walkintruth.com, click on the donate button and we'll get the book into your hands. Donate today at walkintruth.com. Thank you so much ahead of time. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless, and we'll
0: catch you next time. Tune in tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's second teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the True Love series. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.